This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Sedgefield for the Wyndham Championship. Right now, Russell Henley leads. He's 12 under um, through two rounds. Lucas Glover, two back at 10 under. And we will talk to Luke DeCock of the News and Observer about somebody who needs to play a little bit better today. Um, award-winning writer for the News and Observer. Luke DeCock, I ask you this. Uh, are, if, are you secretly hoping for Akshay Batia to become like a five-time major champion because you know you'll be able to write the Akshay Batia uh, book that no one else can write since you followed him since he's a junior? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing for business, but uh, that's true of a lot of a lot of these young golfers around here. Um, you know, it's an interesting story because he did skip college to turn to turn pro at 17, and then the moment he did that, like the pandemic hit, the whole plan had to go out the window because there was no Q school, there was no Monday qualifying, um, the Corn Ferry Tour was all screwed up. So um, he's actually had a, a, a relatively rocky path to this first uh, pro win two weeks ago all things considered, especially compared to when it was sort of drawn up on paper and very little of it had anything to do with him. You know, it's just sort of, even now, you know, he finally wins. He wins the Barbasol or the Barracuda, sorry. And those points don't count towards the FedEx cup. So you're, when you get a win as a special temporary member, you know, a guy who didn't start the season on tour, all your points are supposed to convert into real points and you get to do the whole playoff thing. But because it was an off week tournament against the British open and there were European tour players playing, in the stupid rules of the PGA Tour, they don't count. So now he was like, went into this week 99th and needs to finish second to advance to uh, Memphis next week. So he's just kind of gotten the shaft all along through this process of trying to turn pro. But I mean, at one point yesterday, there were three, I guess at the end of the day, it's not true now, there were three triangle golfers in the top 10. Webb, uh, Chesson Hadley, and Brendan Todd. So, you know, it, 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 it seems like, and this is anecdotal, you may have a different opinion, there's more and more pro golfers coming out of the triangle. Like for a long time there was Scott Hoke and, you know, Paul Simpson, not a pro, but obviously one of the greats of amateur golf. But now it seems like kind of post-web, there's a steady stream of guys headed to the tour. Like Alex Smalley uh, is out there this week. Um, Grayson Murray, Ben Griffin. I mean, it just seems like they kind of – the, there's a ton of them in like the junior amateur and the girls junior um, on the more on the LPGA tour. It's just crazy. I mean, it's just I'm surprised it wasn't always like that, but it certainly is now. Also, Hayes, it's I feel like it's kind of I'm a little disappointed in you not hearing the words Greater Greensboro Open come out of your mouth. My bad. My, uh, the uh, the was it the Chrysler Greater Greensboro Open at some point? Um, it's there's, yeah for a while. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so GGO. Um, now, nah, once once Webb named his kid Wyndham, uh, I was sold on that as being the, the, the long term uh, name <laughs> name for it. Um, uh, all right, I do have to quit just to say we talk sports, and, and I, honestly, I'm just giving myself a breather from talking um, conference realignment here for a second because I know yeah. we're going to have to hit it some more. Um, but as a, for, I like talking, you know, just life stuff with you. Have you written a book, or have you ever considered a book, or like, are you ever? You know, at a Duke, North Carolina basketball moment, uh, and you're like, you know what? I've got a pretty good view of something that that other people don't, and some perspective here. Like, do you is book ever in your your mind as a longtime writer? Yeah, yeah. No, I've written some children's books um, back in the day, children's sports books. Um, so I've, I've done a you know sort of very, very, very lately dabbled in it. Um, no, I've thought about it. I haven't. 
Um, I've never come up with an idea that is both compelling to me and compelling to someone who would pay me to do it. Yeah. Um, but if I did, I would, I wouldn't hesitate. I've had some ideas. Um, you know, there was a, a friend of mine and I had a whole proposal and treatment written up, um, uh, after the hurricanes won the Stanley cup in 2006 for a book. And, you know, there just, there wasn't any belief in the, in the, in the sports publishing community that people would want to read it, which is, is crazy to think about now. Um, but that wasn't considered economically viable at the time, uh, the people we talked to. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's come up before. It just hasn't happened. It, it may at some point. I would certainly wouldn't rule it out. You're a young man. I'm sure the, the opportunities will come. All right, that was our brief break. Now it's back to conference realignment. Um, back to the stupidness. Do, uh, do you have any idea? Uh, it may be a dumb question because part of what's been changing this whole time is um, – television like it, it, oftentimes the shifting in in college sports specifically college football has been directly linked to shifts in the cable slash television how we consume sports industry right and that seems like it's still in flux so it seems like conference realignment or what conference realignment will continue to be in flux but do you have any guess of what the end game right now it is Cause i feel like i've heard multiple people say this Conference realignment seems like it's done for now, and then it just keeps on going. Yeah, and, and this latest spasm, the previous spasm, sort of the Oklahoma-Texas-UCLA-USC process of the, the two previous years, was driven by the desire to get more television money, that to get more money out of Fox in the Big Ten's case and more money out of ESPN in the SEC's case. This particular spasm, Oklahoma and Washington and Colorado and potentially Utah and Arizona and maybe Arizona State, um, is, is being driven by the lack of television money. Basically, the Pac-12 went to market to try to do a deal and do it at a time when Fox is tapped out uh, with its rights fees. And, ES, you know, Disney is considering selling off half of ESPN, uh, potentially to NBC, Comcast, or, or somebody else, private equity maybe. Um, the, the money's not there. The money wasn't there for the Pac-12. They timed this badly, and, and the schools all said, you know, in the case of Oregon and Washington, they basically said we're going to take a uh, we, we'd rather have a half share of Big Ten money than whatever the Pac-12 is going to come up with with Apple and the CW and whatever. Um, you know, part of the problem here, Hayes, globally speaking. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. You have a 401k, but you're changing jobs. You're taking that 401k with you. Next step. Well, a lot of people leave it behind, which is not a good thing. I mean, if you're not at the company anymore, your 401k shouldn't either. And that's when it's time for my 401k survival oh, oh, look box at that. set. You see it right here. I've got workbooks, <laughs> guidebooks, DVDs in here that explain everything about your 401k. More importantly, how to build a lifetime income. It's a $300 value. I'm also going to give you a total retirement plan, which is a $1,000 value for the next 18 of you who call right now. No cost or obligation. Call. 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Is, is like, Bill Friday was a great man and he had all these great ideas. Uh, the worst idea he ever had was putting university presidents in charge of athletics. Because if they had all been like Bill Friday, we would have been fine. But the vast majority of university presidents these days, I mean, there's not a group of people I have less confidence in. And you can see it with the way they handled Mark Emmert at the NCAA. They extended his contract and a year later fired him. Uh, the, the, the way you advance in academics now is fundraising. University presidents are the, the academics who can raise funds the best. And they look at college athletics not as a, uh, a trust 
or uh, responsibility, but something they have to squeeze every last nickel out of. Um, there's nobody looking out for the best interests of college sports or athletes for that matter. Um, and I think university presidents have just steered themselves into this cul-de-sac where the only way out of it is, is people have talked about three. I think it's two mega conferences. There's going to be a Fox conference and an ESPN conference because those are the people willing to pay for the rights. And what you're seeing with this latest, these latest changes, Oregon and Washington in particular, is, is Fox basically saying, fine, we'll pay for the schools we want to put on TV. We're going to ignore the rest of them. Um, that's basically what ESPN did when the SEC added Oklahoma and Texas. They said, okay, well, if you can add schools that we want to put on TV, we don't care what happens to Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and, and all of that. So I just – this this round, I, I think USC and UCLA is the worst thing to happen to college athletics. I mean, maybe the death blow going to the Big Ten because it's so unequivocally and, and on the face of it horrible for athletes – that the only reason it makes sense is as a business decision to make money for people who aren't athletes. And I think that's where we sort of cross the Rubicon into, oh, we don't have to pretend to be building around our footprint. You know, we have to add Boston College because it's in the footprint. But we're just going to abandon all pretense of any logic and say, what makes the most money and do that? And that's not what's best for college sports. And that's kind of how we ended up where we are. I tried to present this question to Chip, and and I probably did a poor job of asking it. But, like, the whole point of professional sports is – People uh, who, you know, the, born out of, um, you know, I'm, I'm not your sports historian, but like go back and whoever was putting up professional sports teams back in the day, you know, the Milk Union in Chicago or whatever, and the Mead Packers who own the football team here, and everybody was probably trying to, you know, make the most money they could. And at some point they were like, hey, guys, if we all kind of play, if we set some ground rules and, and, and make these teams and schedules sort of all balanced, we could all make the most amount of money, right? Um, and gr- going back to NBA, ABA mergers, AF, AFL, NFL, you know, all that stuff, it's teams deciding, professional sports deciding, look, we decide who's in our club and out, and if you're in, let's all decide the best way to make the most amount of money. Is Will, will that ever happen with college, specifically college football? You talk about a Fox and an ESPN conference, and I get it. I see where that's going, too. But, like, those same uh, entities have found a way with the NFL to be like, okay, instead of us all, you know, fighting every year and, like, you know, let, like let's make agreements. We'll share the Super Bowl. You know, we'll do, you get X number of games. I get X number of games. Like, at some point, doesn't it make sense to do that in college football and not and quit wasting money of moving teams around? Say, all right, figure out whether it's 30 teams, 40 teams, 50 teams, who's in our top tier, all negotiate with all the networks and you know come up with a league, and then put them in regions and play schedules that make sense to preserve regional rivalries. Like, are we not pretty close to that? I mean, I think that's sort of what's happening when you look at Oregon and Washington. That's basically saying, you know, these are teams that spend the money and and we want on television. I mean, I think you're see- what you're seeing is Fox and ESPN – choosing the haves and have nots in college sports, um, you know, based on who can make them the most money. Um, You know, we've seen this before, right? Like the Ivy league, the university of Chicago, they got to a point in the, in the fifties. I mean, the university of Chicago had Heisman winners at one point and then was in the big 10 and then said, yeah, you know what? We don't like the way this is going. We're going to go drop down and play division three. The Ivy league went non-scholarship and said, Hey, we don't like, I mean, this is crazy. I think now, they thought football was getting out of hand in the in the 50s and said, we don't like the way this is going. We're going to go and, and play sports for the love of sports. I don't know that anybody who's currently in their job right now can say, hey, we need to take a step back. We're, we're losing the plot here. 
especially because now you have that dynamics of athletes are eventually going to get paid in some way. Um, and that's going to change things too. I think you're going to end up with schools in the two mega conferences that are willing to pay athletes um, and pay them a lot. And you're going to end up with schools in other conferences that are not, whether that's philosophical or financial um, and choose to go to a, a more sort of, you're going to have a division three that's non-scholarship a division one that's, that's scholarship, but, but maybe just a stipend and then a division super one that's going to be, you know, competing for athletes, contracts, collectively bargained with the union. And I think that's the real tragedy here is if the NCAA hadn't been fighting all of this tooth and nail for so many years with this disastrous legal strategy that now they're losing in, in court and in legislatures on every front. If the NCA had said 10 years ago, we're just going to take this head on. We're going to collectively bargain with athletes. We're just going to negotiate terms of service that work for everybody, not necessarily as employees, but just you can collectively bargain with, uh, uh, with athletes and say, hey, look, we'll give you four-year scholarships and 10 years of medical care in exchange for you agreeing not to transfer more than once in your career or whatever. Um, and that, and then you would have a framework for dealing with this. But it's just, I, I just think maybe the fuse has been lit. There's no way to stop it. It's kind of like global warming at this point. No matter what you do, I don't know that it's reversible. The college college athletics is a feedback loop at this point, and the decisions that are being made are going to destroy college athletics. But everybody who's actually in those rooms doesn't see any other option. Brightening up your weekend, it's Luke DeCock. Uh, no, 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 I'm the one who's talking gloomy, gloomy topics. Although, to be fair, you brought the global warming into it. Um, all right, let's, uh, uh, one topic we hit on just to have a little fun. If you were delivered a burger that accidentally gave you two sides of the bun, would you rather get two tops or two bottoms on your burger? Yeah, I've given this a lot of thought since you tweeted it earlier. And I think you can make pretty compelling arguments either way. But I'm going to go with two tops because I feel like the top is still supportive enough and two bottoms would be a lot of bread. That's kind of what I came up with. I, I think two bottoms is too much bread. And as long as it's not like a really wet burger, you know, like with a lot of like mayo or whatever on it, I think probably the, the bottom top can hold on okay. Your line of thinking is right. Uh, as if, if you're getting the support you need from the tops, that's probably the right choice. I'm, I, I'm probably leaning a little bit safe in, uh, in voting bottoms. Uh, enjoy a weekend without f- much football because there aren't many of them left. It's about to be all football all the time. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, sir. Luke DeCock, appreciate it. Yep, you got it. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc.